Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing. Hello and welcome to Mythmakers. Mythmakers is the podcast for fantasy fans and fantasy creatives brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. My name is Julia Golding. I'm an author but also a director of the centre. And today I am joined by a special guest from America, Lisa Edmonds, who is well best known to me for her Alice Worth series. Uh, it's, 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 I think it's probably possibly my favourite of the series. I don't know. I've enjoyed them all. But when, when so when you were contemplating the more con- complicated series, is there a draft of it where you did try it as a, a straight through and then you reorganised, or did you plot it out and then write it? To that? I like yeah. During the plotting phase, it became pretty clear um, that okay. I was going to have to do something a little bit different. Um, it just you know just as I was doing my plotting and everything, I just. I thought if I just tell this linearly, um, just on a couple of levels, like you would already know what had happened to her really early on um, instead of it being sort of the the mystery that that gets revealed, like, oh, that's what happened. That's where she was. Okay. Um, And this is, and that's how she turned out that way. And oh, that's where, you know, Malcolm is and, and so forth. Um, So and I just, it just made it, it became pretty clear real early on that I was going to have to do something a little different. I'm imagining a great wall of post-it notes of you moving them around, but maybe, maybe you do it on a, on computer. I don't know. No, um, I definitely do a lot of my plotting on paper. I'm old fashioned that way. Um, I definitely, I do all my writing on the computer um, and so forth, but um, when it's, when it's the idea generation time, um, I have each book has a notebook, uh, a journal, um, and I write everything out. I feel like I think a little bit better for the idea generation um, because I'm a kinetic thinker. I like to move when I think. I like to write like uh, longhand. And I also have these lovely notebooks. I have this lovely shelf of notebooks where, you know, each book has a notebook and I can actually go back and see the earliest versions, the earliest ideas, um, the things that didn't that I had planned but didn't it didn't happen. Um, so I, I enjoy that on a couple of levels. You know, just to be able to go back and see, um, you know, things that I had originally planned in the book. And then as I was writing, you know, as I said, characters do and say things you don't expect. And so, you know, I had a plan for this to happen, but it didn't happen. Instead, this happened. So it's fun for me to go back and look at that. Do you have any tips for listeners who want to write an urban fantasy on how to do world building? Um. 
for me, again, I, I can only I can only speak to what I did. You know, uh, for me, I started with the the characters, um, and then the world kind of developed around that because I was thinking, okay, I, I'm going to have this person. My main character is going to have magic. Um, I know I want to have these certain other creatures. Now, what world do they inhabit? How does that change our world? Um, and in the Alice series, it's, you know, it, her world is very similar to ours. There's just a few, there's a few changes. It depends on how far, how far you want to take it. Um, I have um, another, I have a spinoff in the works. Um, I guess I can call it a spinoff. It'll, it'll stand by itself, but um, it will be set in what I call the broken world, uh, which is a world that appears in the sixth yeah. book, um, Heart of Vengeance. Um, and that world is much different than ours. Um, so to me, I think a lot of people who read urban fantasy, they love the world. They love the worlds. They love the imagination. And I definitely do too. But you also need really real, well-developed people to inhabit that world. So for me, I started with my characters and then I sort of built the world around them, a world that could, um, that would challenge them. Um, and a world that I, I wanted the reader to read that and say, oh, that's a, that's creative. That's imaginative. That's a neat, that's a neat twist on our world. Um, the wonderful, wonderful thing about fantasy and science fiction too, is you're only limited by your own imagination. Um, you can, you can have a setting, you can place your stories anywhere you want to. Um, and have all of these wonderful challenges and difficulties and wonderful backdrops for your characters to uh, play out their dramas. Um, the only caveat to that is that your rules have to make sense um, and they have to, they should be consistent within that world. So, you know, you, and you don't want to change them from one book to the next. You don't want to have things happen that, that account that contradict the, the foundation that you've established. Um, but other than that, though, not even the sky's the limit, <laughs> which is another big reason why I love science fiction and fantasy so much. Um, you know, just you can do all you, know, you can be so, so creative in how you. And, you know, in, in your what, you know, the backdrop, the environment that you're working in, uh, do you want to have, um, you know, uh, cities that move and change? Do you want to have um you know, the magic that, you know, that, that can transport you from one place to another, uh, you know, there's no limits to it. I don't know if that so answered what, your question. <laughs> no, no, it absolutely did. Start with the character and build around. I, that's, that's the take home for me. Um, so what was your route to publishing like? That's another thing that lots of people are interested in how to, you know, penetrate the mysteries of getting a book out there. Oh, for sure. Um, well, I was lucky that I had I made contact with some a couple of people who had already published books, and so I got some really helpful advice. Um, one of the most important bits of advice I got was to be patient. Um, and like you feel like when you finish the book, you immediately want to send it out there. You want to you know you want to get it and and query, and you want to get it out there to people who might publish it. And I think my one of my biggest pieces of advice is wait wait and revise, um, identify some, what we call beta readers, uh, which would be people who are going to read it and give you feedback. Friends and family do not work well for that. 
Um, you don't want people to read it and say, this is the best thing I've ever written. Don't change a word. Um, you need someone who's going to give you honest, tough feedback because that's how it gets better. Um, so, uh, and I would say, you know, four or five of those folks, have them read it, give, get honest feedback. Uh, you, you don't have to change it to, to make it, make them happy. But if you have more than one person pointing something out, I think that's a pretty good indicator that you may need to rethink that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had some really great beta readers that gave me some very tough love um, on that uh, first version of Heart of Mouse, which was originally entitled Magic City, in, in, in fact. Um, and so it went through a lot of revisions. Um, because you, when you start querying, you want to send out the the best version of that book. You don't want to send out the version you just finished or even the mildly revised version. It needs to be its best self. Um, and then the second bit of, of advice I got that was really important was to work on your query, what they call the query letter, but it's actually an email usually, <laughs> Um, and revise it and revise it and revise it because that is the mo- the single most important thing you will ever write. You can have the world's best book, but you're not sending the book to the agents or the publishers. You're sending your query and you've got about one to two par- short paragraphs to compel them to ask for, to actually see the book. Um, if you consider that they get hundreds of those a week, a lot of them, the agents and the publishers, how, how are you going to make yours really stand out and get them to nibble on it? Um, so I worked on mine. I must have revised it, I mean, dozens of times. I had uh, people read it. I actually got in on some contests and I won a couple of professional critiques of my query letter. Um, you can get in on those on Twitter is a good place um, to get in on those that other authors will run them as well. A lot of times you'll see contests where someone will be giving away a professional critique and I can't, I can't stress enough how important that was. So um, once you have your book in its best form, you have your query letter, your base query letter in its best form, um, you start querying publishers and agents um, and you want to change the letter and adapt it to each agent or publisher, you know, show them you, you've read their website Um, it's not definitely, you don't want them to know, like they know, but that you don't want them to really notice that it's a form letter. Like, so you tweak it and, you know, I see that you publish so-and-so and and my book is very similar to that or something like that. Um, and make sure to follow their instructions exactly, uh, because every one of them will ask for something different. Um, some of them just want the query. Some of them want the query, a one page summary and the first thousand words, um, you know, just do exactly what they say. Um, and then I, I, I really credit that my attention to detail on all of that, to getting several bites on my hook, um, if you will. Um, and in, you know, and then getting a publishing contract was, you know, just making sure that I was, I had the best query I could possibly have. And that that first chapter sparkled like a vampire in the sun. So that's my that's my advice. So did you get the bite first from the publisher rather than an agent? Was that your um, I had a couple I had a couple of bites from a couple of agents and a couple of bites from publishers. Um, and I ended up deciding um, at this stage in my career to go directly to a publisher um, without an agent. Um, and I have not regretted that. Um, I'm very happy with my publisher. My publisher is City Owl Press. Um, they're a woman owned press. 
Um, they specialize in urban fantasy, paranormal romance, uh, contemporary romance, fantasy, um, and uh, science fiction. So I've been very happy with this press. Um, I'm very, I'm pretty comfortable advocating for myself um, as an author. Um, I do think that down the road, as if my career continues to develop, I, I will uh, want to get an agent. But at the moment, I'm pretty, pretty content. You probably will have absolutely no difficulty getting an agent whatsoever because my own experience was I got interest from a publisher first and then that made it so much easy, easier to walk in through the door of a big London agency, whereas the other way around might have been tricky. Yeah, for you know, sure. And I mean, it's a big gamble on any publisher or any agent's part to, you know, to to sign a, a debut author. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I just... Um, I evaluated, you know, what the offers I had in front of me, which I've, I feel so, so lucky every day to have had that, um, that ability. But when I looked at it all and I, and I, I did a ton of reading online um, of various authors, blogs and so forth, trying to also get advice from people who've been to who've been in this spot, like, what should I do? And at that moment, at this point, I felt like just going straight to the publisher. I didn't need an agent um, at this moment, but um, I probably will end up getting one. Yeah. Well, you've now added to that um, that good advice that's out there. So I'm hoping people are taking notes even now. Attention to detail. Do what they ask. Don't sort of send in a whole manuscript if they only want a thousand words. That's just not yeah, going to help. The general wisdom seems to be like if, if you don't follow their instructions, they'll they'll just delete it. Yeah. Um, you know, you want to show to me, like, think about what is your dream as an author? Like, is your dream to be bestseller? Is it dream is it, you know, whatever whatever it is, you following those instructions is how you make that happen. If you don't, if you just send the same form letter with no tweaks, if you if it's if it's got typos, if it's got if it's not perfect, if, or at least it's not as, as good as it can be, you're not going to get that door open, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those who, who do make that happen, um, I mean, it's a million to one. You can increase your odds the, the, more you, the more work you do on the front end. You know, get that writing sample, whatever it happens to be, the first chapter or the first three chapters. Your query letter, I can't stress enough. Get that critiqued professionally. Um, and then every time everything you do like that, it just increases your chances even more. And persist. Yes. be pers- I mean, I definitely, you know, I, I have a contract. I also got a lot of rejections. Um, I have a spreadsheet because I am, <laughs> I'm that sort of person. <laughs> um, I have a massive spreadsheet, you know, of all the places I queried. Um, a lot of them you won't hear back from you know, they get hundreds of queries a week and they don't have time to email you back. Um, I also got a lot of, um, uh, this isn't for us, uh, but best of luck, um, sort of, sort of emails. And there were a lot of those, there were a lot, mm. but you only, you know, you only lose at it if you stop and you just have to, you just have to keep going because your stories have an audience um, continue to work on your query letter, continue to work on, you know, your synopsis, your samples, you know, your stories will find their audience, but you just have to keep at it. Lisa, this has been a wonderful conversation. I suppose we need to know what's next. You've trailed the fact that there's a spin-off series, but 
what can we look forward to in for the rest of this year or early next? Um, well, I, 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 um, I have eight books so far. Um, I'm currently writing what I call 8.5, which is a novella um, that takes a couple of the characters, a couple of the supporting characters, and they have their own story. Um, I have four more Alice books uh, to go. Um, that The one I'm working on now, Mortal Heart, is going to be out in November. Um, and then I have four more Alice books. And alternating with those are going to be three books featuring a character from the series named Trent Lake, um, who is going to have a, a trilogy of his own. And then those two timelines will come together for the final Alice book. Um, once those are done, my plan is to then move on to The Broken World and start that series with a character named Lucy um, that uh, you may have met in yeah. Vengeance. Yes, absolutely. She's got a lot of attitude as well. <laughs> I enjoyed Lucy a lot. Um, yeah. I actually started writing on the first Lucy book. I'm going to wait um, until Alice is done to really go full, full out on that. But I enjoy Lucy a lot. I think she's going to be a lot of fun. Her world is definitely much more different from ours um, in a lot of really cool, fun ways. So, well, it has dragons, right? Yes, it has dra <laughs> It has all kinds of wonderful things. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a big contrast with Alice's world, um, and it's a little bit wild west. Um, yeah. Not literally, but it's a very wild environment. Um, you have all kinds of creatures. You have all kinds of issues, and you've got sort of this uh, um, the, what they're called. They're called the League, League of Guardians, and that's their job to try to maintain some kind of order <laughs> in this very crazy world. Um, you also have the fun thing. You also have the fun fun thing that you introduce like the alter egos of some of the characters who appear in one world. There's a sort of version of them in a different context in the other, which is huge fun. Um, like right. And I, mean, I don't want to do, go too much on that because I feel like you can, you can kind of slip into a little bit of cliches. And uh, I remember when we were first talking about the book, my editor's like, you're not going to make Alice fight herself. Right. <laughs> no, we're not going to do that. Um, but definitely you get to play around with it. We know at least a couple of, you know, like mirror, mirror world to borrow from Star Trek. Uh, you know, the mirror episodes yeah. are Spock with the beard, right? Um, mirror world selves. So that one's going to be a lot of fun um, and very distinctly different from Alice. So to complete the podcast, we always end with where in all the fantasy worlds is best for something. Um, we've mm -hmm. done, you know, sort of things like the best mountains, the best inns, the best food, that kind of thing. Uh, and because there is a strong theme of, well, I call them a kind of magical gang, a sort of cabal, which is mm -hmm. in Alice's, um, well, one of the big grits in Alice, Alice's sort of oyster. Um, mm -hmm. I thought we'd ask, where are the best gangs in science fiction or fantasy? Doesn't matter which. Where would you? That is a really good question. Um Really, I think I, you know, to put to you know, for being on the spot here, I think I'm going to point to uh, the Kate Daniels series by Alona Andrews, mm. and specifically um, the way that she has the um, the way that her world is set up. She has uh, what she calls Masters of the Dead, or they have. I'm sorry, Alona Andrews is a husband and wife writing team. Um, 
they have what they call masters of the dead. They have uh, people who pilot vampires. Um, it's the most creative presentation of vampires I think I've ever read in any series. Um, so they have um, they have the vampires. They have uh, the the shifters have a very definite sort of hierarchy uh, where you have um, the top is called the beast lord, um, and you know this sort of each of the different types of creatures has a very definite sort of, um, I would say coalition, I guess, or you could call it like a gang or you could call it like a power structure. And so a lot of that, um, a lot of that conflict that happens in the environment in that series is based on the conflicts between, um, the different types of creatures and their, um, their structures and their hierarchies, um, sort of, um, pushing and shoving, trying to get more power in this crazy world that they inhabit. Yeah, I love those books as well. They're they're fantastic. You're right. The idea of the vampires there, which is that you can kind of sell your like selling your body to science at the end. You can sort of help your family out by becoming this piloted vampire. It's just wonderful. It gets away from any of the romanticism of the kind of gentleman vampire. Yeah, and definitely, you know, the Lord Byron style, you know, suave, sophisticated, pansexual vampire is the you know, is sort of the, the trope that I certainly lean on, um, as well, but I love these stories where someone can take something that's maybe a little bit overdone and then take it and do something completely new with it. Um, and I just love the way that, you know, and, and there's also the mercenary guild, um, and there's another, um, in that series as well. Like, also the knights, uh, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, who are, incredibly just uh, the ends justify the means and extremely brutal. And, you know, then you've got sort of the mercenary guild that, um, that Kate belonged to uh, for a while. And it's like, you've got all these different gangs, all these different groups, like sort of jockeying for power and trying to undercut each other. And it makes for just a wonderful, you know, you, you just know that you can't count on really can't count on anybody. Um, in that world, except for a few people, uh, because everyone is very much looking out for themselves, which makes, of course, it, which creates a great environment for storytelling, which um, Elona Andrews, you know, Elona and Gordon, you will never, <laughs> you will never not be on your toes reading anything by them, because they're yeah. the worlds that they create are really outstanding. Must be fascinating breakfast time conversations between the two of them. I cannot brilliant. imagine. I know that, right. What an amazing partnership. Um, I, I've never co-written a book with anyone. I've had discussions about it. Um, but I just, it just seems like they have something incredibly magical happening in that partnership um, on multiple levels to create these incredible stories, these amazing characters. It's just fantastic. So I think it is, it is quite a, a difficult place to pick my favorite of all because I think they're often sort of gangs of people and I suppose I'm thinking of people who work a little bit outside the law when mm -hmm. I'm thinking of that so the thing that did come to mind was in the worlds of T.A. White who actually I talked to fairly recently um, mm -hmm. but in her Dragon Ridden series she has a very good depiction of a world where there's sort of circles of power, but one of them is the sort of night market people who exist, um, have their own very strong power structures. And there's also a sort of um, acknowledgement that they are needed in society. They're sort of almost 
there are sometimes raids, but the the gangs look after a certain level of society and police it. So mm. I find that one quite a, a well thought through gang culture. Um, yeah, so that's I think that's my pick for this. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for talking to us, and do come back if you've got any new book news to um, share with us because we'd love to talk to you about Broken World series when it starts. Definitely. Uh, thank you uh, for having me. Uh, my website is lisaedmonds.com. Um, it has information on all the books. It has a couple of fun quizzes. Um, there's a gift shop. Um, there's also my writing blog, which is on the website. So if you're curious to know more about my process um, and advice for publishing, it's uh, lisaedmonds.com slash blog. Uh, we'll, include the, we'll include a link in the show notes so people just need to scroll down and they'll be able to find you. Fantastic. Okay, well, thank you very much. Well, thank you. It was a great honor to be on your show. Thanks for listening to MythMakers Podcast, brought to you by the Oxford Centre for Fantasy. Visit OxfordCenterForFantasy.org to join in the fun. Find out about our online courses, in-person stays in Oxford, plus visit our shop for great gifts. Tell a friend and subscribe wherever you find your favorite podcasts worldwide. Hi, this is Julia Golding. Are you looking for a way to find a gentle beginning to your life as a fantasy writer? Or maybe you're just wanting to brush up your existing skills, but you don't have time to come to a class. Well, we've devised for you the perfect beginner's course. You can find it on our website. The course is full of exciting chapters for you to take at your own pace starting with packing your bag and setting out on an adventure. And over the course of the lessons, you'll learn to find a hero, gather allies, and get under your belt all the basic skills you'll need to write yourself your fantasy story. So why not have a look at this today and see if it suits you? And I look forward to meeting you in our chat room, which comes along with the course. So what are you waiting for? Time to pack your bag and get writing.